0: It is nearly 12 o'clock, and time for the KMXT Midday Report. Thank you for listening to KMXT, broadcasting on 100.1 FM. We are your public radio station here in rainy, foggy, misty, windy Kodiak, Alaska. Out at the airport they have 97% humidity right now. Northeast winds steady at 26 miles per hour and they are down to two miles of visibility. Look for rain for the rest of the day, tonight and tomorrow too, as well as tomorrow night. And Rain is likely on Friday but then it will turn to rain and snow. Blustery east winds gusting to 35 today, up to 55 tonight and tomorrow. Coming up on the Midday Report, a panel of federal judges has reaffirmed a Kodiak man's murder conviction. Anchorage's biggest emergency cold weather shelter now has more bed capacity. And an environmental group has filed a complaint with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service about using restoration funds for predator control. Those stories and more after headlines.
1: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The United States is hosting the president of Ukraine in his first visit outside his country since Russia's invasion 10 months ago. Volodymyr Zelensky arrived in Washington wearing his trademark military khakis. He went to the White House to personally thank President Biden, to whom he presented a medal on behalf of a Ukrainian captain who wanted Biden to have it.
2: From my heart, from the heart of Ukrainians, all Ukrainians, from our nation, strong nations, all the appreciation to you, first of all, Mr. President, for your big support.
1: Zelensky's message will be extended in the coming hours to members of Congress, where Republicans will become the majority in the U.S. House next month and wield even greater control on what funding is authorized. In a sign of what the State Department describes as a show of the United States' enduring commitment to Ukraine's ability to defend itself, the administration is authorizing an additional $1.85 billion in military assistance. NPR's Becky Sullivan reports that for the first time, USA to Ukraine will also include a patriot air defense system to help defend against Russia's persistent missile assaults, which includes attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure during winter. The Patriot air defense system is a surface-to-air missile battery that uses a set of sophisticated radars to identify and attack incoming air threats like ballistic missiles. The U.S. Army uses them around the world, along with about a dozen U.S. allies. The U.S. is sending one battery to Ukraine, which, depending on what type of threat it's targeting, has a range of about 20 to 100 miles. That's much smaller than the area of Ukraine. So instead, it will have to protect one high-value target, like the capital, Kiev. Ukrainian troops are expected to travel to Germany for training by Americans, which will likely take at least a month or two. Becky Sullivan, NPR News, Washington. Taliban security forces fanned out to some universities and informal learning centers in the Afghan capital, Kabul, to enforce an edict that suspended women from higher education. And Piyarzdi Hadid has more from Islamabad. The edict issued by the Ministry of Higher Education said women can no longer attend public and private centers of higher education. It follows a ban on most Afghan girls attending high school that began after the Taliban swept to power more than a year ago. Human rights activists reported that Taliban security forces turned away women trying to enter university buildings. Teachers said the security forces also stopped girls from entering some informal learning centres where some have been attending classes while banned from formal high school. One English teacher reported security forces barging into his class, shouting at girls to go home. Taliban officials have not responded to requests for comment. Dear Hadid, NPR News, Islamabad. The Dow closes up 526 points. This is NPR. Ang NPR
3: balita ay hatid sa inyo ng providence Kodiak Island Counseling Center. Para sa kaukulang impormasyon tungkol sa aming mga serbisyo. tumawag lamang sa 481-2400.
0: For KMXT, I'm Terry Haynes. A panel of federal judges last week... Reaffirmed a Kodiak man's conviction for murdering two of his Coast Guard colleagues, KMXT's Kirsten Dobroth reports. It's the latest legal decision after nearly a decade of back and forth in the courts.
2: James Wells was sentenced to life in federal prison two years ago for the murders of Petty Officer First Class James Hopkins and retired Chief Rich Belisle. Hopkins and Belisle were Wells's co-workers at Kodiak's Coast Guard communication station. Wells was first convicted of the double homicide in 2014, but the case was reversed by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals three years later, which ordered a new trial with a different judge. A federal jury again convicted Wells of the crimes in 2019. But Wells appealed the conviction, saying his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination were violated because investigators threatened his job during interrogations. Last week, a panel of three federal judges rejected that argument and reaffirmed Wells' conviction. The judges, however, vacated a court order as part of Wells' sentencing to pay nearly $2 million in restitution. The judges ruled the court had failed to properly calculate Wells' earnings, and that part of sentencing would be sent back to the courts to reconsider. Wells' attorney and the families of the victims could not be reached for comment. In Kodiak, I'm Kirsten Dobrath.
0: The biggest emergency cold-weather shelter in Anchorage now has bed capacity for up to 360 people under certain conditions. The Anchorage Assembly on Tuesday begrudgingly approved adding the 160 beds to the Sullivan Arena shelter, greenlighting a version of a proposal that Mayor Dave Bronson's administration first floated two weeks ago with the shelter at capacity. Assembly members said Tuesday that bad communication from the mayor's administration, unauthorized creation of an overflow warming area, and the concentration of people who are homeless in one neighborhood didn't outweigh the humanitarian need. Here's Assembly member Randy Solt. Homelessness,
3: and I know some will disagree with this, but it has been politicized. And the
4: homeless are paying with their lives. We all have a part and where we are
0: the assembly had authorized up to 200 beds in the arena which have been full since late november on the coldest days scores of people crowd into a separate warming area there some are just stopping in for a snack and a hot drink others are looking for a place to stay and sleep on the ground alexis johnson the munis housing and homelessness coordinator said other shelters in the city are full and cannot be expanded She urged the assembly to increase the capacity at the Sullivan.
2: I want to bring that group of people inside, feed them, give them a bed, give them access to services, and this capacity increase will do so.
0: James Thornton, representing the Fairview Community Council, told the assembly that the expansion adds to an unfair burden in his neighborhood, but after touring the Sullivan and seeing the warming area, he supports the expansion.
4: We can do better, and I was, quite frankly, just sort of embarrassed as an Alaskan that that's what it's resorted to, uh, folks sleeping on the floor like sardines.
0: Before passing the expansion 10 to nothing, the Assembly amended the administration's original request with several sideboards. The expansion authorization expires January 27th. Other low-barrier shelters in the city must be near capacity for the extra beds to be authorized, and when authorized, The Assembly and nearby community councils must be notified. An environmental group has filed a complaint with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service seeking to halt the use of federal wildlife restoration funds by the state of Alaska for work that aids
4: predator control. KUAC's
0: Dan Bross has this report.
4: The nonprofit group Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, or PEER, sent a letter to the head of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service alleging the Alaska Department of Fish and Game is wrongly using some of its share of a federally collected excise tax on guns, ammunition, and archery equipment. PEER Pacific Director Jeff Rook says Fish and Game is illegally spending the Pittman-Robertson funds on intensive management program assessments and surveys to target wolf and bear populations for reduction.
5: The idea that the only thing that's prohibited is federal money to pull the trigger and pay for the ammunition, we're saying is absurd and contrary to the requirements that the money not be used for the substance of the program.
4: Rook says peer-used state of Alaska budget documents to demonstrate that much of the state's intensive management program is paid for with federal Pittman-Robertson funds.
5: More than two-thirds of their entire program, by their own accounting, comes from federal dollars, and in terms of activities under their intensive management umbrella that are ineligible federal funds, they're saying is less than 1%. We're saying that interpretation is unreasonable, and we're asking the Fish and Wildlife Service, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which administers the funds to adopt a more reasonable interpretation and make uh, this funding unavailable for these purposes.
4: U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Alaska Region Public Affairs Specialist Andrea Medeiros says she cannot comment on the complaint because of a related lawsuit filed by PEER against the agency to access funding documents. As far as the state goes, Alaska Division of Wildlife Conservation Deputy Director Ryan Scott says use of Pittman-Robertson funds is strictly regulated.
6: We recognize the uh, the restrictions on uh, PR dollar use, and we adhere to
4: that very closely. Scott says the state is in constant communication with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to ensure that its use of Pittman Robertson funds for intensive management falls within federal guidelines.
6: Research and management work that often occurs with species and populations that have been identified for intensive management,
5: but that does not mean, intensive management does not equate to
4: predator control the pure complaint seeks to bar alaska from receiving additional federal aid until it pays back what the group considers misused funds pure is also pressing the u.s fish and wildlife service to stop similar use of pitman robertson funds in other states in fairbanks i'm dan bros when homer
0: based artist brianna allen became pregnant with her second child she started to notice something a lack of stories told by mothers that honestly addressed motherhood, and she decided to do something about it. She created the Momologues Collective. As KBBI's Desiree Hagen reports, the project collects and documents vulnerable stories told by mothers submitted anonymously, and it just hosted its first live performance last Saturday.
6: A group of over 50 people packed into the Bunnell Street Art Center's main gallery last Saturday for a live performance of mom Alogs, a series of first-person anonymous accounts of motherhood submitted by moms.
1: And that I wasn't alone. There was a moment when puking, bleeding, grunting, and pushing that I felt my grandmother's there.
6: The stories were extremely personal, sometimes funny, gross, or heartbreaking. The performance, a collaboration with the Banel and Pier One Theater, was the culmination of a three-and-a-half-year project by interdisciplinary artist Brianna Allen. She says the idea came after she noticed a lot of women approaching her at random with intimate stories or unsolicited
3: advice. When you're pregnant you all of a sudden are hearing strangers' birth stories in the grocery store, there's like a moment, I don't know, people just feel like they want to tell you things that normally they wouldn't tell you. She says many of the stories were provocative or vulnerable. I am not willing to risk other family members. Women were kind of all of a sudden sharing with me these stories almost in a whisper. And that sparked something
6: for Alan. She wanted to amplify those whispered stories after recognizing that there wasn't really a platform for mothers to express them in an open and authentic way.
3: Because there's a lot of judgment and shame that surround mothering and motherhood. So Alan sent out a call soliciting
6: friends and family through social media for stories. The only stipulation was that the narrative would be shared under what Alan calls a protective
3: veil of anonymity. It had to be very clear that by submitting your story... You want me to share it in a safe, public way.
6: She described the response as overwhelming and transformative. She began receiving stories from friends who she hadn't spoken to for decades.
3: I also began getting stories from women who I didn't know. And that was really exciting to me because I I still would instantly feel a deep connection with them. Initially, she wasn't sure of the best format to share the stories.
6: Alan envisioned presenting the monologues in several mediums. After archiving the stories on a website devoted to the project, she began compiling them into an anthology, which was released earlier this month. Alan says she also wanted to include live performance and activism in the project, especially following this summer's Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, which ended federal protections on abortion.
3: After the overturn happened, you know, maybe 40% of the stories included in this book are stories about the choice to become a mother or not.
2: I had a complete hysterectomy that removed my uterus and a baby with a health night before Roe v. Wade was overturned.
6: Allen says the inclusion of stories about fertility and infertility are important and present a more comprehensive picture of the mothering experience. She's critical of how popular culture presents stories about motherhood
3: that are at times one-sided. I haven't found words in the English language yet that allow us to talk about motherhood without directly centering the child. And I feel like that that's problematic.
6: So far, Alan has collected over 120 stories from 80 moms, but she hopes for more. Recently, she received a grant from the Alaska State Council on the Arts to help document them. She hopes to publish more anthologies in the future and is already planning performances in the new year, including a performance in May to coincide with Mother's Day. Even though it's been a lot of work Alan says it's worth it because
3: there's there's a lot of collective power and a lot of collective strength through really vulnerable storytelling that just isn't happening because there's no place to really hear it in a safe way. Copies of the book are available on the website.
6: At Homer Bookstore and at the Bonnell Street Art Center. Alan asked self identifying mothers who would like to share their stories to submit them on her website at momalogcollective.com. Alan's work is also on display at the Bonnell Street Art Center along with six other Alaskan artists through the end of the month. In Homer, I'm Desiree Hagen.
0: After some record breaking cold temperatures in southeast Alaska, Snow is in the forecast for later this week, but it won't last long. As temperatures continue to climb, much of the panhandle is in for a wet Christmas. KRBD's Eric Stone reports.
5: It's been a cold start to the week here in southeast Alaska. Low temperatures in the teens and single digits broke daily records across the panhandle, from Haines to Sitka to Ketchikan, Metlakatla and Prince of Wales Island. But the cold is expected to let up soon, says lead meteorologist Brian Besnick with the National Weather Service in Juneau.
4: The high pressure on the Yukon, which has been bringing in all the cold air, uh, is sort of retreating right now, and uh, we have a weather front that it will be sweeping in uh, out of the southwest, uh, out of the Pacific, and that will be moving in Wednesday night, Thursday, uh, into Friday uh, across the panhandle.
5: That front is expected to bring some heavy snow to the southern panhandle. Six to eight inches are expected in Ketchikan starting Thursday afternoon. The central and northern panhandle are expected to see snow Friday into Saturday. But if you're dreaming of a white Christmas, you might be out of luck. Bisnick says a wet Christmas is more likely as snow turns to rain in the southern panhandle on Saturday.
4: got the temperatures warming up probably into the upper 30s to low 40s uh, by the time you get to Christmas Day. So we might try and melt off all your new beautiful snow uh, before then, but uh, we'll probably have uh, precipitation around during Christmas Day.
5: He says forecasters are expecting snow to turn to rain a little later over the central panhandle, and northern panhandle communities might see continued snowfall, even with rising temperatures. Cold temperatures this week broke daily records, but Besnick says they're nowhere close to breaking all-time record lows. Temperatures plunged to 5 degrees in Ketchikan on Monday, but the community's all-time low of minus 7 degrees was set back in January of 1916, according to the Weather Service. Icy roads and freezing pipes have challenged some communities. The city of Saxman, south of downtown Ketchikan, shut down portions of its water system on Monday as crews chased down leaks. And Catla's tribal government asked residents to conserve power as the cold pushed the community's power grid to its limits. Snowy weather always has the potential to disrupt flights, but Juneau International Airport Manager Patty Watto says her crews are ready.
3: We're ramped up for winter season as far as what we do on the runway and what the airlines do for coming in and out and You know, just prepared in case there are some delayed flights or some cancellations. But at this point, we're just in operational
2: mode for winter.
5: She says travelers arriving by car should leave some extra time to find a place to park. She says the airport's lots are looking rather full. Officials at Seattle Tacoma International Airport said expected snowy and cold conditions in Seattle caused some airlines to preemptively cancel flights on Tuesday. The flight tracking site FlightAware showed hundreds of cancellations and delays at SeaTac on Tuesday, which could complicate Christmas travel to and from southeast Alaska and the lower 48. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone.
0: Excessive rain in Unalaska has led to a flood warning for that Aleutian Island community of about 4,500 people. The National Weather Service said on Tuesday between 3 to 3.5 inches of rain had already fallen in the last 24 hours, and that up to 5.5 inches were possible. Michelle Hester is the Senior Weather Supervisor at the airport in Dutch Harbor, and she says the level of rain is out of the ordinary. While much of the state is experiencing sub-zero temperatures, Alaska is unusually warm. Mercury levels there have hovered in the mid-40s over the past week. Two high-pressure systems are squeezing warm air from the Pacific Ocean northwards over the eastern Aleutians, which is funneling unseasonably warm air across the island chain.
1: Today's KMXT Local News is brought to you in part by Discover Kodiak, a one-stop source for visitor information on Kodiak and other destinations around the state. On the web at Kodiak.org and at the Visitor Center in the Ferry Terminal Building at 100 Marine Way, 486-4782.
3: For the first time since acquiring Twitter in October, Elon Musk says he will step down as CEO, eventually. I'm Novasafo with the Marketplace Minute. When is the question? Musk said on Twitter he would step down if he can find a successor. But even after hiring a new chief executive, Musk said he would remain involved in the management of Twitter software and servers. All cash transactions made up nearly a third of home purchases in October. That's the highest share since 2014, according to the online real estate firm Redfin. Higher mortgage rates are fueling the surge. The world's biggest cinema chain, AMC, says it was in talks to acquire parts of bankrupt Cineworld, but it halted those talks. Cineworld runs regal cinemas in the US. I'm Novasafo with a Marketplace Minute. Island Messenger: A look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements.
0: Good afternoon and welcome to your Island Messenger for Wednesday, it is Swedish Friday, the 21st day of December, the year 2022. The sun rose today at 9:52, it will set promptly at 4:23. That will give us a 6 hour and 31 minute daytime hour time a loss of a mere four seconds compared to yesterday our record high for this date was 49 degrees set just last year in 2021 and our record low was five degrees set in 1957 and in 2018 currently up to 38 degrees under a light rain fog mist and windy conditions 97 percent humidity out at the airport where they are showing northeast winds to 26 miles per hour and just two miles of visibility. Look for rain for the rest of the afternoon, as well as tonight and tomorrow and the next day. But don't worry, on the Friday it will turn to rain and snow. Then snow on Friday night, snow for Saturday. Snow is likely Saturday night, and on Christmas Day, snow will turn to rain and snow. Look for a high near 35 on Christmas Day. We're also looking at windy conditions, east winds to 25 gusting to 35 today and 30 gusting to 55 tonight, as well as east winds 35 gusting to 55 tomorrow. That's going to bring some winds offshore too. Mariners, here's your weather forecast for Marmot Island to sit Kodiak's east side. Storm warning for tonight and Thursday. East winds to 30 knots increasing to 40 knots this afternoon. Seas building to fifteen feet this afternoon. For tonight east winds to fifty knots and seas to twenty seven feet, and for tomorrow east winds to fifty knots, seas to twenty nine feet on our east side tomorrow. Over in the Shelikov Strait, storm warning through Thursday. Northeast forty increasing to fifty knots this afternoon, seas to twelve feet with freezing spray this afternoon in the Shelikov. For tonight, east winds to 55 knots and seas to 18 feet. And for tomorrow in the Shelikoff, east wind to 50 knots, seas to 17 feet. Looking at our local tides, the tide has turned recently. Our next low tide will be at 6.39 p.m. and be minus 1 foot here on the east side. Over on the west side, your low tide will happen at 7.08 p.m. and be minus 2.3 feet. Our next high tide here on the east side will happen at 1.10 this morning and be 7.2 feet. Over in Larson Bay, your high tide will happen at 1.30 this morning and be 12.9 feet. Well, here's our holiday treat, the Kodiak Youth Theater's Holiday Edition. The award-winning and number 1-ranked Kodiak Shakespeare's are partnering with the Kodiak Arts Council to produce Kodiak Youth Theater Holiday Edition just in one week, this week. They're putting on a play that will go on Friday at 6 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. at the Gerald C. Wilson Auditorium Drama Pod. It involves over 20 kids and 12 high school theater students who are all collaborating on a holiday-themed play, Christmas Virtually, by Flip Cobbler and Cindy Marcus. It's a series of ten short, family-friendly, and funny plays that explore various aspects of the holiday season, from Clarence, the angel in It's a Wonderful Life, giving advice to his son, to a film noir mystery of a who stole Frosty's hat, and even one about Ru- Rudolph working through his anxiety on a psychiatrist's couch, all performed by Kodiak's young actors. The live performances are Friday, this Friday, at 6 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. show runs about 15 minutes. And that's going to be in the Gerald C. Wilson Auditorium's Drama Pod. Tickets are just 10 bucks, $5 for children under 12, and will be available at the door. To contact more information, Jared Griffin at 907-942-1903 or Katie Oliver at 907-942-5840. And time is running out to take advantage of Matson's generous gift of free admission to the Lutic Museum. It's just going on till the 23rd. Today is the 21st. So get in there and visit the Lutic Museum if you haven't taken that chance yet. The Kodiak Hospital Auxiliary's Angels of Love program is ongoing. It's a way to honor the life of someone you miss or celebrate the life of someone you love. It's just a $10 donation for each angel that can be made right at the reception desk at the Kodiak Hospital. And they will have your angel hanging up in a holiday tree until January 21st. Donations support the Hospital Auxiliary's Healthcare Career Student Scholarship Fund. AMC is conducting a two-day fishing vessel drill conductor class in Kodiak. That's happening January 4th and 5th. That's 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. on both days, along with drills and a pool session. Mostly it'll be happening at the Kodiak Seafood and Marine Science Center over on 118 Trinet Way on Near Island. The cost for the class is absolutely free for the Kodiak Commercial Fishing Fleet and $225 for all others. It's a fantastic class. You really learn a lot. And it meets the U.S. Coast Guard training requirements for drill conductors on commercial fishing vessels. To register online, just go to the AMSEA website. AMSEA is spelled A-M-S-E-A. And you want to go to www.amsea.org to register. Or you can call them on the phone at 907-747-3287. Speaking of safety, the Coast Guard Marine Safety Detachment here in Kodiak would like to remind fishermen to consider the stability of your vessel when loading crab and cod pots. Stacking the pots changes the center of gravity and that affects the stability, especially in icing conditions. Personnel from the Coast Guard Safety Office in Kodiak will be walking the docks providing voluntary safety compliance checks with an emphasis on stability. You can call them at 907-486-5918 or stop by their office at the subway building downtown if you have any questions. And KMXT's new 2023 calendars are in. If you're currently a member, stop by and pick up your free calendar. Additional copies can be had for a mere $15. Non-members can also pick up copies for $20. They're absolutely beautiful, and thanks to all of the local photographers who submitted this year, a special thanks to those who had their entries picked for the calendar. It's a great gift idea for those on your shopping list. Stop by and pick up a handful during business hours. That's Monday through Friday between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. And Merry Christmas, from everyone here at KNXT. The City of Kodiak is currently looking for new members to serve on advisory boards and commissions, and they include the Building Code Board of Appeals, the Historic Preservation Commission, the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board, and the Personnel Board. If you think that you would like to serve and have something to offer to these various commissions and boards, contact the City Clerk. They would like to see your application by January 4th, if you can, and call them for more information at 907-486-8636. You can also go to the City of Kodiak website.
3: What if accessing your personal and family
2: immunization records was as easy as checking your phone? The Docket app is a secure option that allows Alaskans to quickly access their immunization records. Need immunization
3: records for school or travel? Docket makes it simple and is available for download from the App Store or Google Play. Learn more at vaccinationrecords.alaska.gov. Paid for by the Alaska Department of Health. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., during the Midday Report at 1220, and in the evening at 7 o'clock. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org.